Welcome to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we are here to discuss Season 2, Episode 9, Out of Their Minds. Yes. Although really it should be out of their bodies, right? Yeah, they're they're in their minds. The minds are just in different bodies. The minds are the things that are moving. I like the thrust of this episode, but I feel like the way we get from point A to point B is really, really nonsensical. It It's one of those things where you just have to take the premise and roll with it. I remember reading somewhere that all science fiction, no matter how hard it is, no matter how much it's based in, like, actual science and... What have you. What have you, thank you. <laughs> I'm not a STEM person myself. I Anyway, no matter how based it is in actual science, at some point you're just going to have to accept, this is just how it works. The transporter just transports you. Don't worry about it. And uh, that's kind of what we get in this episode. When the shields are at 60%, this specific weapon fired through them makes people swap bodies. That's just how it works. Like, I don't think there's anything fundamentally wrong with a body swap episode. It just seems like a really dumb way to get to a body swap episode. Eh. Like, there, there, there really wasn't anything more than... If someone fires their guns at you and you have some shields, but not all the shields, you switch bodies. Not any gun. The specific gun on this ship that we'll never see again, so don't worry about it. <laughs> this episode was uh, written by Michael Cassatt, and this is the only Farscape episode he wrote. Hmm. He mostly writes sci-fi and fantasy short stories, although he also worked on Stargate SG-1 and the 1985 reboot of Twilight Zone, so... Oof. Yeah, I mean... I don't know if it was from the 1985 one. I -hmm. just remember watching some of a reboot Twilight Zone. It was the one with the little girl who turns her babysitters into dolls, and... Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the 85 one. Yeah, the... Well, the reason I'm not so sure was because it had, as the babysitter, a young Jessica Simpson... Yeah. That's weird. I just listened to the You're Wrong About Book Club podcast that went through Jessica Simpson's biography, and it didn't mention any Twilight Zone episodes that she was in. Yeah. I mean, I believe it. I just... What? Okay, I'm pulling this up now just so I can be sure. But, uh... It was the 2002 one. Yep. Yeah, so I, I was wrong on which one it was, but it was the 2002 one. Yeah. Yeah, spoiler alerts for that episode. Which is called The Collection. Yeah, she she thinks that it's like a haunted doll collection, but the dolls are actually the girl's previous babysitters, and they're trying to warn her that the girl turns her babysitters into dolls when they won't play with her anymore. And she, of course, responds the natural way one would respond upon finding that out, which is to shake the girl by the shoulders and scream in her face. Sure, sure. Isn't there also an episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch with that premise? Uh, Sabrina's uh, niece, Dreama, likes to shrink people down and put them in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Sabrina's a doll. I was thinking of the one where she likes to shrink people down and put them in jars, but there's a different one where Sabrina gets turned into a doll and put in a dollhouse. Right, I- anybody that she gets mad at, she puts in a toy chest. I think it's the same character. It is, yeah. She comes back later in the show as a less antagonistic character around the time... Everyone gets super horny for Harvey because the show's wrapping up and Sabrina needs to end up with someone. Well, they tried to spin her off into her own show about magic school. Oh, yeah, I remember. It had, um, 
Uh, the guy who plays Snot in American Dad. Curtis something. Armstrong, I yes, think. Yes, Curtis Armstrong. He played like Boner or something in that movie where those nerds rape all those women. Booger. Booger. Which is why he's Snot in. Ah, uh, okay. Revenge of the Nerds. He was also in the far, far better 1980s movie, Better Off Dead. So if you have to choose a Curtis Armstrong movie to watch, I suggest watching Better Off Dead. Hmm. He's got such a great voice. Yeah, he does. It's in the sort of, not as annoying, but it, it's in the uh, Wallace Shawn, uh, H. John Benjamin school of being a very unique voice that can serve a multitude of different purposes. Like Kristen Shaw. Like Kristen Shaw. Like Kristen Shaw can be any number of people with her very distinctive voice. Right, like Louise and Mabel have the same voice, but they are very different characters. Although I guess they're both a very chaotic energy. Hmm. As is, I suppose, Hazel was her name. Oh, yes. So, yes, Jessica Simpson was in an episode of The Twilight Zone, so it would seem. Also, The Twilight Zone gets rebooted a lot. Yeah, this was from a 2002 reboot, and then we've got the Jordan Peele reboot that's going right now, and there was a reboot in 1985. I mean, I guess we always want, we, we as an audience, always want creepy anthology shows and the twilight zone just fills that niche perfectly there should always be a twilight zone going just the way there's always a law and order going i think the yes i think the bad thing about the early 2000s one because i saw a couple episodes and i think they were both remakes of older ones the babysitter thing definitely kind of feels like a remake of an older one well they did a sequel episode with anthony the kid who sends people to the cornfield huh I didn't know that. Uh, the other one I watched was a remake of the one with the people with the pig faces. Where the I have the beholder. Face. Yeah. Which, uh, it's it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I can see when television was less complicated how that was a twist. But as a little kid who was unfamiliar with the original Twilight Zone, I was like, okay, obviously something's up because we're not seeing anyone's face. Like, obviously something's going on there. And then they threw in this weird extra thing where there were other pretty people and they had a secret commune that they were taking the her to. The pretty people all get banished to Pretty Island because nobody wants to look at their pretty faces. Oh, I guess that was in the original too. Oh, I thought you were talking about the original. Yes, that's how it happens in the original. Oh, I thought that was a stupid thing they added in the... Nope, that's how the original ends. Okay, I'm standing by that not being a good twist. If you're not seeing anyone's face in an episode, it's obviously for something like that. I mean, it doesn't have to be a surprising twist for the episode to be really eerie and cool to watch. And and now I'm talking about the original. I haven't seen the remake. Yeah. Yeah, that that's true. The cin- cinematography can carry a lot. Yes. The I'm... judicious use of Dutch angles in that episode. <laughs> Man. I'm sorry, we were talking about Farscape. This episode, Out of Their Minds, was directed by Ian Watson. Farscape mainstay. Mm. Directed many episodes before this, many episodes after this. This episode was one of the scripts that was pitched when they were shopping the show when it was still Space Chase, which was also the case with the previous episode we talked about, Dream a Little Dream. But this one is really good. This one, they obviously, they pitched it when they were pitching the series, but they didn't, you know, work it into, you know, it was a card on the board for a long time because they realized that having a body swap episode before you've established who your characters are doesn't make a lot of sense. Looking at you, fourth season of Charmed. I mean, that's a fourth season. That's 
Yeah, but they body swap Paige with Phoebe in, like, one of Paige's oh, right. first episodes. Oh, film. right. They do the thing where they have Paige, like, eating a lollipop so that she has some physical marker and we know which one is Paige. Yeah. Yeah. Which. It's, it, it doesn't hold a candle to, spoiler for what's going to be the best part of this episode, which is. Chiana giving, uh. Is it, it's Rigel and John's body a hand job while she's in Darko's body? Yeah, okay, I wasn't going to say that specifically. I was just going to say all of the stuff where Anthony Simcoe is pretending to be Chiana in Darko's body. Hmm. He committed. So the episode opens with John desperately trying to get dressed while running down a hallway. Well, I mean, we open in the middle of a crisis, as we so often do on this show. And this time the crisis is that there is a ship about to fire on them. And a badly damaged ship. Mm-hmm. And John is like, well, did we tell them that we don't have any weapons or defenses and that we just want to go about our way? And Pilot's like, yeah, and they're arming weapons. This is important. Okay. Mm-hmm. These people saw a ship that presented them with no threat and fired on it. And I just need everyone to remember that while we deal with all of the nonsense that Zan is doing for the rest of the episode. And I know, I know she saves the day. I know that honestly, basically nothing that's happening on Moya matters because Zan's the one who saves the day. I don't know why I'm saying it with air quotes. She does save the day, but everything she does on the ship just annoys me so much. But we'll talk about that. Yes. So... John's like, you, you've told them we're non-aggressive, that we don't have weapons, blah, blah, blah. And Aaron's like, yes, idiot. We've already gone over all of that, and they're still going to shoot at us. And he's like, how are our shields? And she's like, they're only at whatever percent. Yeah, we'll, we'll get the exact number later. It's 60-something percent. Rigel's trying to get them up as we work. So at some point, someone did fix the shields. Because I remember the deal they were making with What's-His-Bucket, the guy who just wanted their bioluminescence, was that he was going to fix the shields. Yeah, and he never did. Well, he was going to make them better, but he never did. Um, but we they do still have the shields. And Rigel's trying to fix them, like, right now. You know, get them operational. Mm. Honestly, this is something they should have done on their downtime. Get those shields working. But what are you going to do? Yeah. Anyway, Zan is on the ship. And this is what I'm talking about. First, the, the, the alien ship, the alien ship that's firing at them. She went to go talk peace at them. Yeah. Which I know she's the pacifist monk lady or whatever, but Zan also kind of seems like one of the worst people to go on this mission that isn't, I don't know, Dargo or Rigel. Honestly, or Aaron. Or Aaron or Chiana. Okay, John. <laughs> John would be the person to send. Right? Send your bard. When you need to do a diplomacy thing, send your bard. And I get that the whole deal is that... As a priestess, we're supposed to think of her as a pacifist, and she calls herself a pacifist all the time, but... She murders a lot of people for a pacifist. just chopped off Pilot's arm! I mean, I know that they've grown since then, but still... Well, I mean, she just engaged in a psychic battle with that space wizard guy relatively recently. Yeah, exactly. So... Plus she murdered that guy on that law planet. That, was that a, wasn't, that wasn't, she was framed for that. That wasn't actually her. Yes, that was a joke because of how god-awful that episode was. She murdered our attention on that episode. So, on this particular ship, these aliens mm. are Skeksis. They're, they're Skeksis from the Dark Crystal. Which makes sense because this show is 
you know, done by Jim Henson Studios. The aliens are made by Jim Henson Studios. Yeah, if you have a good puppet design just lying around. So I saw a thing where the guy who makes the creatures said that when he saw in the script that they were supposed to be bird-like creatures, he decided he was going to make the puppets an homage to the Skeksis. And I'm like, dude, who are you kidding here? You clearly pulled the Skeksis puppet out of storage. And no shame in that. It's an amazing puppet. But you're trying to make me believe that that's not what you did? Hey, 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 hey. It's an homage. Like, like my version of The Great Gatsby that I'm releasing, my parody of The Great Gatsby, which is just the sexy Great Gatsby, where sure. I just put sexy in front of everyone's name and publish the novel as is, which I can do because it's in the public domain now. Suck it, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Okay, so did you see the- Dumb Starbucks? Um, No. <laughs> No, and I also don't mean the weird uh, fanfic that was legitimately published this week called Nick that is a prequel to Great Gatsby. God. No, I mean somebody uploaded a version of the Great Gatsby that is the text of Great Gatsby completely identical to Fitzgerald's work. With a single paragraph inserted where Tom and Jay kiss and then say, we will never speak of this again. <laughs> and I think that is genius. That is an art piece I love. And that's so much better than Nick. The prequel. From the point of view of the character whose whole point is that he's not interesting, so he tells the story of more interesting people. Yeah, let's read about him. You know whose story I'd like to hear? Jordan. She seemed like she probably had stuff going on. Yes! Exactly. Nick. I, I mean, you know, whatever. Publish what you want to publish, read what you want to read. That's just, it's not my, it's not my bag. Uh, so we're not going to get into the, uh, we're not going to get into that fanfic discourse that rolled around Twitter. The, th the thing is, see, I know it was very specific and it probably didn't reach outside of a lot of circles and it's probably not going to be relevant, like, by the time this podcast comes out later this week. But that discourse comes rolling around so often, I feel like I can just drop it and you can just apply it to whatever fanfic discourse. Yeah, know. no, the fanfiction is not real writing discourse. That's nonsense. And, oh. you know, uh, a, a writer I really like, Anna Mardal, he suggested, I think it was him who suggested that we just make those inspirational poster pictures with just our responses to the memes <laughs> and and just ha save those for the discourse when it comes around as it often does so just like a picture of a beautiful sunset and then just paradise lost was also fanfic oh you should have heard the original poster going off on the oh it doesn't count because it's different when it doesn't go to my point i'm sorry i i just need to more specifically date this by talking a little bit about the uh, the actual point that she was trying to make where she was like, uh, I think it's really bad that fanfic is where all of these published authors start because it's just uh, reducing queer voices in actual published literature and uh, you're just doing free advertising for these giant companies instead of actually creating queer art. And also, it's bad for black people, and also it's bad for everyone, because it just means that 
your voice isn't actually getting out there in a way that you can profit if you're doing fanfic instead of actually writing real books. And also it makes your writing worse. I mean, I think anybody who listens to us, I would hope, knows that that's nonsense. I mean, AO3, an archive of our own, won a Hugo specifically because, specifically in recognition of the importance of fanfiction and the good work that they've done creating this massive index of fanfiction. I just, I, I have so many issues with this person. I, I posted a, multiple things, even though I didn't want to you get posted, drawn into it. You posted a not safe for work cartoon commenting on it. Oh no. <laughs> I'm devaluing the queer contribution to literature. Sorry. Yes, I did. But... But, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you uh, follow Max on Twitter, at a mad cartoonist, then uh, you may have seen that particular response to the discourse. Sometimes I remember your dad follows me on uh, Twitter, like, that time I did a series of short-form, vaguely comedic, quasi-pornographic uh, tweets about George, uh, St. George and the Dragon. <laughs> I don't think you need to say quasi. Also, I mean, he knows what he, he was in for. Also, he listens to this, too, so... Point. Yeah. I, I I work very blue on my Twitter, and I am proud of those tweets. Proud is a strong word. I don't regret those tweets. I think they are at least moderately funny and quasi-erotic, although probably straight-up pornographic. <laughs> <laughs> yes! They're straight up pornographic and quasi erotic. That is the that's the that's what they are. There you go. They're comedically pornographic. <laughs> Speaking oh. of Farscape, the Skeksis. That's what we were talking about. And by the way, that's what we are going to refer to this race as in this episode of the podcast. These are the Skeksis. The point is, Zan goes over and is like, "We pose no threat to you. We have no weapons. We couldn't do anything. You could crush us with like one blink of your eye. Just." Leave us be, we mean you no harm. And they're like, oh good, that's what we wanted to hear. Now we will destroy you. Thank you for revealing that you have no leverage whatsoever. Also, you've got to be effing kidding me. Your other ship just flew by and blew the shit out of us. That's why so many of us are dead. And Zan's like, oh, fuck Talon. Yeah, turns out Talon has been there and attacked the ship. And, okay, so they were attacked by Talon. This is bad because... Nobody wanted Krace to be using Talon for evil, and now it looks like he is. But also, Zan keeps saying, this is an innocent, peaceful creature. You're firing on innocent people. And it's like, Zan, they do not care. You need to pick a different tack, like, right now. Zan's going real, uh, coming at this real moderate democrat -y. Yeah, she's just like, if I keep capitulating, surely they will leave us alone. No, Zan. If I just appeal to the better angels of people who are, you know, actively working to hurt other people, at some point they'll develop empathy. God. So, the Skeksis fire on Moya, and the shield is only partially up. The defense screen is only partially up. And... This, for science reasons, causes everyone's body to move, or mind, not body, causes everyone's mind to move in a clockwise motion to the body to their left. 
Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. They actually do this really cool thing on the show to show what's happened where the voices are doubled. So when Crichton is inside Aaron's body, Claudia Black and Ben Browder are both speaking on the track. Mm. And they do this for a while until they get the pictures later. Yeah, that would have been really annoying to have to do long term. Originally, they were going to do it for the entire episode, but then they realized that was a nightmare, mm-hmm. and they stopped doing it when everybody had pictures showing whose mind was in which body. So, Aaron is in Rigel's body. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rigel is in John's body. Yes. And John is in Aaron's body. Literally body French farce. Body French farce? Like, instead of body French farce? Yeah. Love it. Love it. Uh, meanwhile... And those three were on the command deck. So, meanwhile, down in Pilot's Den were Pilot, Dargo, and Chiana. So, now Dargo is in Pilot's body, Pilot is in Chiana's body, and Chiana is in Dargo's body. Oh, dear. Yeah. Honest to God, so much credit to Anthony Simcoe. I didn't really rate him that much as an actor because Dargo is kind of really, really boring. He's He's got, like, one level. He's generic warrior guy. He has generic warrior goals. Okay, I just need to throw out there, I know you say that, but I feel like when he's dating Chiana for real, when that's like a thing that's happening, he gets a lot more fun and a lot more interesting. And that's coming up. So I just want you to keep an open mind about Dargo. Is this a Worf and uh, chocolate lady thing? Troy. Oh, I... Uh, no, because Worf never started being okay. Like, Worf was always annoying. I was actually thinking, because later, Worf moves over to Deep Space Nine mm-hmm. and starts dating Dax, who is way too good for him, because she's, like, fun and interesting and exciting, and he's like, I am a warrior. I care about my honor. And she's like, you're a Klingon who was raised by humans and has some weird human idea of what Klingons do. I actually used to chill with Klingons, and they are fun. You're not fun. And then they break up. And then she dies. Oh, spoilers. For a show that's... 40 years old. It's not 40 years old at this point. No, no, it's not. It's not. (laughs) I don't know how time works. For a second you turned me to dust. But no, no, it's not 40 years old. It's like 30 years old. (laughs) Yeah. I hit that with a lot of stuff. Mostly Buffy. Mostly Buffy... Just the bit in the first episode where she's talking about how hot James Spader is, and you're like, oh, no. Yes. Oh, no. Yes. If the apocalypse comes beep me. Oh, no. Beepers. Well, I mean, when Jenny Nicholson was talking about the Vampire Diaries in her Vampire Diaries video that came out this week. That finally came out this week. Yes, the Vampire Diaries video that finally came out. At the end, she kind of did a little dig at Buffy, and I was like, oh, right. You weren't 16 when Buffy came out, so you don't have the same nostalgic affection for it that I do. Yeah, I, I saw this I saw this post where someone was like, let's face it, if uh, if you if you hadn't watched Buffy when it was coming out, you'd all realize that it's a trash garbage show for idiots or something. And I'm like, come on, I wasn't watching it when it was coming out. And then I was like, but I was watching it when I was that age. So, okay, yeah, I can't judge. I stand by it. I think it's good. I mean, there's a lot of problematic media from the past that's still enjoyable, and Buffy is 
in that category. Yeah, we're watching Bewitched, which is problematic as hell. I feel like Bewitched is actually less problematic than Buffy. Mm, I just think about the the episode where she turns a cat into an Asian lady. I mean, even that wasn't that bad. And they cast an actual Chinese woman to play the Chinese character. and Yeah, there's a lot of stuff with the first Slayer that is just aged so badly. God, even Kendra. <laughs> Ooh, all right, let's let's talk about Farscape, which incidentally is coming out at the same time as Buffy and has far fewer problems. But mm. we'll talk about a couple problems in this very episode. Mm. I mean, whatever. The point is, everybody switched bodies and they're all doing the body swap thing where they realize that they've switched bodies and they're trying to figure out what to do. Like, Rigel can't figure out how to operate a giant John body. <laughs> and... You know, Aaron is disgusted to be in Rigel's body. Logically. As, as, as you would be, of course. And down in Pilot's den, Pilot in Shiana's body is just splayed out on the floor because he doesn't even understand how to work legs because he doesn't have legs. And Dargo in Pilot's body is not having a good time because... Yeah. His brain doesn't work on the multitude of higher levels that it needs to to keep things running yeah as a result moya is like pitching and rolling because you know nobody's running her okay so do all leviathans have pilots yes okay so it's like a necessary from birth thing yeah they're they're a symbiotic race okay i thought it was like well um i thought it was like those crocodiles who have those little birds that clean their teeth where it's not like a necessary thing but it, like it's good to have one no no you you they they need one they need one so the crew thinks that the skexies did this to them on purpose honestly not the worst idea if you're going if you want to like disorient a ship but you're not strong enough like if you're not strong enough to destroy a ship but you want to throw them off course if that was something you can do yeah, no, it's true. And honestly, if you get shot by a weapon, it's much more logical to think that the what? weapon swapped your bodies than that it was some weird tech interaction. Mm. But yeah, they assume that the Skeksis did this to them. And my goodness, Anthony Simcoe is a treasure. And you know, honestly, everyone does a really good job, I think. Everyone does... A pretty good job of playing whoever is in their mind. Anthony Simcoe is benefiting from having to play Chiana in Dargo's body because Chiana is someone who has a very particular physicality about her. It's true. There's a lot of character ticks that you can bring in that sort of help sell, okay, I am Chiana in a different body. Like, he he's really getting the lion's share of the uh, body swap here. Yeah, well, I think actually Gigi Edgley does a good job imitating Pilot's vocal mannerisms. Yeah, she, she's solid. It's just Anthony Simcoe is going to freaking town here. Oh, yeah. It's so funny because, you know, Ben Browder, of course, is Rigel in John's body. And he's hamming it up in very Ben Browder fashion. And honestly, if you're going to give Ben Browder something to ham up, like, I'm there. I'm watching it. I love him when he gets to chew the scenery. But his scenery chewing feels like Ben Browder chewing the scenery, Whereas I believe that Chiana is in Dargo's body. Yeah. Yeah. 
So the main Skeksy shows Zan video of Talon firing on them. And he's like, look, you fired on us. You can't come back now and be like, oh, that wasn't us. That was some different ship. And Zan's like, but it, it was. They don't even look alike. He's like, but they're clearly the same kind of ship. And she's like, yeah, there's a lot of the same kind of ship flying around the universe. That's how ships work. You find a design that works and you make a bunch of them and you sell them to other people. Do, do you not get this? This is this is a really basic thing. I mean, to be fair, I don't feel like there are a lot of Leviathans out in the Uncharted territories. So seeing two like right next to each other, that's, that's quite a coincidence. Yeah, but I mean, like I see another Honda Civic. I'm not like, <gasps> I mean, I notice, but. <laughs> and I mean, in this case, Zan does explain that they were trying to find him. They were looking for Talon. I, I want to point out, though, that the Skeksis have handcuffed Zan at this point. Like they've taken her. They've handcuffed her. To a pipe. To, yeah, it's like a radiator. They've told her, we are going to destroy your ship. And she's still sticking with the, but we have no weapons. We mean you no harm. Zan. We're so helpless. Zan. Please don't blow us up. We're completely helpless being blown up. Okay, we go from that to, I think, my favorite scene in the episode. Yes. Where Chiana in, I'm sorry, pilot in Chiana's body is explaining to Dargo in pilot's body how to run the multitasking functions that the pilot uses to control Moya. Mm. He describes the way that the different functions kind of appear to him as colors and the way you hold one color in your mind and like move the other colors like jewels down a down a fishing line. It's really cool. I really love it. I really love that they came up with a metaphor to explain something so alien and the way that Chiana has to so embody pilot kind of calmly relaying this information to the giant pilot puppet so that they don't all crash and die. Yeah, at one point, pilot in Chiana's body is like, that's the life support. Hold that in your mind. So... John in Aaron's body has come up with these neat little face tags that everyone's wearing so that you know who's in whose body. Yeah, they're like little Polaroids that he has the DRDs print out. And then he he puts them on a little lanyard and everybody's got them now. So now we all know who's in whose body. And the sound engineers can stop doing that voice doubling thing, which I'm sure was hard to do. Mm. So everyone's trying to sort of just settle into... Making everything run as well as possible while dealing with not being in the correct body because that's sort of a lower priority thing right now. Yeah, right now what they have to do is repair the defense screen because the Skeksis are going to fire on them again and it definitely got knocked out when they got hit the first time. Hmm. And they're going to have to do it in different bodies, right? So John and Aaron's body and... Aaron and Rigel's body go to fix the defense screen. John kind of has it the easiest, doesn't he? I mean, oh yeah, because he's in a human body. Yeah, you're right. Like human adjacent, at least. Oh right, he's in a humanoid body. He's in a he's in a sebation body. Hmm. And Aaron in Rigel's body is having to instruct John and Aaron's body what to do because you know. Aaron can't do anything with Rigel's tiny little puppet hands. He's a wee puppet hands. Yes, Aaron is a wee little puppet man. 
we don't do our episode descriptions the way we did with Welcome to Storybook, our Once Upon a Time podcast, where we did like... In which... In which this happens and this happens and this happens. If we still did that, this one would be in which Aaron is a wee little puppet man. For indeed she is, if if you weren't sick of the Buffy references. Oh, yeah. Well, that's an angel reference, so it's okay. It's Buffy-verse. <laughs> so Zan decides that the next best course of action is to send the Skeksis to Moya to prove that Moya is... Defenseless. Believing that Moya is defenseless is not the hurdle that you have to get over, Zan. Okay, so I know changing people's minds isn't in her ballywick, right? She didn't get that memory-altering power from that lady she had brain sex with. No, she definitely can't change people's minds. Remember the episode with the gauntlet where the whole thing was her trying to change that one kid's mind to not be a, a warrior? And then in the end, he's like, I am a warrior now, but... I I made the choice. I I am a warrior because I choose to be. Thanks, Zan. That was the one where she was just showing that kid her junk all the time, which I think should probably land her in jail. But I mean, I guess Moya's in jail already, so. Thrown for a loss. Yeah. Yeah, that was that one. My point is, she very much failed to change that kid's mind. But that's before she had brain sex with that lady who could alter memories. Oh, yeah, that's true. No, she definitely didn't get the memory altering power. She could just kill them with her brain. Something she could do. Well, you know, as much as I'm bagging on Zan, uh, she will get her action moment by the end of the episode. Yes. So she calls over to Pilot to let him know that the Skeksis are coming over to the ship and she tells Dargo, who she thinks is Pilot, because they don't tell her what's going on. They, like, do not fill her in on what's happening. But, Eh, yeah. What's she gonna do? Yeah, I guess that's true. But she tells them that the attack wasn't unprovoked. Talon's out here being a little asshole and uh, shooting lasers all willy-nilly, which is very sad for Moya to hear because, you know, it's Moya's son and that's not what you want to hear. This is the uh, Leviathan equivalent of smoking with the bad kids in the train yard. Yeah, Talon has fallen in with the wrong crowd, which in this case is uh, Crace. Grace is the older guy who graduated high school like a decade ago, but hangs out in the, you know, parking lot. Oh, God, yeah, Grace is like, I love these hybrid Leviathan warships. I keep getting older, and they stay the same age. I don't know. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway. I keep breeding them. They keep coming out with lasers and such. It it doesn't scan great. Whatever, it's fine. The point is, Pilot in Chiana's body starts freaking out and having an attack because Chiana's body can't contain Pilot's mind. Yeah, Pilot has too much brain for Chiana's body, which is a little offensive for Chiana, but... mm. He's got the giant multitasking brain. I'm just saying, I would be a little offended if I switched bodies with someone and they're like, you're too stupid to contain my whole mind. I can feel my brain dying. I've literally never thought of it like that. That is, but that's not great. That's not great. All right. All right. So. Okay. There's some like plot relevant bodily fluids in this episode. And the first one happens here in the landing bay. Where Rigel, inside John's body, has to 
piss, and he doesn't know how. So John has to explain to him. John in Aaron's body has to explain to him what to do. It's very Secret Wars 2. Exactly, exactly, where Spider-Man taught the Beyonder how to poop. But, yep, nope, they send him off to the corner to face the wall, and John in Aaron's body tells him to uh, take it out, point it like a gun, and shoot. Secret Wars 2 is bad, (laughs) y'all. I am not a fan of really any comic book event. I don't think there's been a single one that's really excited me ever. Hmm. Cataclysm. After that, no. There are things I like, like, I feel like there's some really good mini-series that come out of events, and I I wasn't a huge fan of the most recent Secret War, which was just Secret War. Confusingly. Yeah, confusingly. I wasn't a huge fan, like, the main story was fine, it was John Hickman-y, if you like John Hickman, you'll like it. I'm very hit or miss with John Hickman, it was fine. But I liked the fact that the core conceit you know the reformation of battle world out of all of these different dimensions mm-hmm. let people just do completely out of continuity mini series where they could do whatever they wanted and i feel like some really cool stories came out of that what's funny is the thing that you're using right now to pitch a big summer event and and the thing I you know the big summer events are all of the books coming together to tell one story, mm-hmm. and the thing that you're pitching is that this particular summer event allowed the writers to not be tied to the shared universe. Yeah, which is I, I feel like that's pretty ironic. Yeah, which I mean, they, it all takes place on Battle World, so they all it all takes place in the same place. But the thing is, the thing with Battle World is that it's different dimensions that are all drawn together so it's like yeah there's a re- an acknowledgement that outside of the realm other stuff is going on mm-hmm. and god emperor doom is doing whatever but like you still have your own like little self-contained universe which is neat yeah no i i can see that and that that really good uh spider-man renew your vows thing came out mm-hmm. out of that the one where it's like hey what if spider-man didn't sell his wife to the devil and instead, they had the kid that he cosmically aborted by selling his wife to the devil. Yeah, what if we hadn't done the worst plot twist ever? So back on Farscape, it's important that we remember that Zan really has her closest connection with John. Mm-hmm. That John is the person that she really trusts. And the person who... She is the one who's going to follow his plans and trust in them. The two of them are really a team. And this is important because... When Zan sent the Skeksis over, she told them that John would take the lead on showing them around Moya, which means that Rigel, in John's body, is going to show them around. I don't get this. I mean, are they just killing time until their weapons are charged up enough to shoot again? Yes. Like? Yeah, well, they were they were severely damaged. So, yeah, it takes a while for them to charge up. And they need Moya to not leave before they charge up because... For the leader, because, you know, this is like, this isn't even a normal space warrior race kind of race. This is like a mirror universe warrior race. So the fact that the leader was nearly wiped out by one ship and then engaged in battle with another ship, if he doesn't take out Moya, it's going to be like dishonor all the way down. Back in Pilot's Den, Hmm. we're getting this great conversation where... Dargo is 
feeling all of Pilot's memories and just in awe of... He's just looking upward at the wonder that Pilot has seen. And, you know, galaxies and space travel and all of that. And Pilot in Shiana's body tells him that, no, no, those those memories, that's just what it is to be a pilot. He doesn't have any memories of love and friendship. And is this the thing you Luxons call friendship? I think it's great. I love it. Don't you... Don't, don't mock this. I'm sorry. This is real. Remember the episode of Futurama where Fry talks about seeing that rainbow sphere that made him feel every emotion at the same time and he fell to his knees and cried because of how beautiful it was? And Amy's like, yeah, that's just a costume that dry cleaners uses to attract attention. He's like, but it was so beautiful. And Bender's like, yeah, we all feel that all the time. I was actually quoting from... Um, an episode of Red Dwarf that was making fun of Star Trek, where uh, the android character who on Red Dwarf is named Crichton, so... Confusing. Yes. Uh, spends a, a night partying with the crew of Red Dwarf, and then in the morning he says, is this the thing you humans call friendship? To which Lister replies, it's too early in the morning for that Star Trek crap. Sorry, I always go straight to the uh, very Potter sequel. This must be the Emotion you humans know as blood. That feeling you're feeling? That's what people call feelings. Uh, no, Michael. This isn't angry or horny. It's, it's like the opposite. It's like my heart has a heart on. Oh, see, I thought you were going with, uh, I thought you were going for a Madalena from Galavant thing. Oh, that. They do that, too. What is this feeling? Is this a feeling? No, no. I was quoting from Arrested Development. You know, I think that... I think that a lot of people have an issue with theory of mind. I think a lot of people don't feel like someone that they think of as villainous or as inhuman could experience emotions the way that they do so it becomes a trope in fiction for characters that you don't normally identify with to be in awe at the things that we consider mundane i feel like this is related to the born sexy yesterday trope where you have like like lilu from fifth element where you have a sexy alien who just came into existence so she's really interested in all of the mundane stuff you do or to go back to futurama uh parker posey's mermaid character in the deep south land sea lions yeah i tamed them uh i think a lot of people were sick of star trek being so far up humanity's ass or it could be that too other species can do stuff it's fine <laughs> oh humanity's so special we're the only ones who experience love yeah, that is. Yeah. So now we're back on the Skeksis ship with Zan and the, the side Skeksis. The ambitious Starscream Skeksis. That was my one Transformers reference. That is one of the, like, seven things I know about Transformers. So enjoy that, fans of Transformers. So this side Skeksis, this, this ambitious Skeksis, shows Zan video footage from the battle with Talon, and it shows that Krace 
did the same thing that Zan did and was like, we're peaceful, we don't want to hurt you. Except Talon actually has weapons. So when the Skeksis fired on Talon, Talon was like, oh. Oh, hell no. But what this means is that Talon maybe isn't evil because Talon did not fire first. Yeah. These jerk-ass bird people did. Yeah. And the Starscream is like, he could have destroyed us, but chose not to. And Zan's like, neat. Yes, the uh, the Starscream, Skeksis, as I guess we will call her, tells Zan that in their culture, you have to rack up a body count before you can evolve, which I feel like probably is just being promoted. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, basically, she tells Zan, we were just out here grinding, trying to raise our level so that we could go take on the boss fight. Unfortunately, they met up with Moya. I feel like Moya is not a boss fight, but like a spoiler. It's one of those low-level fights that you feel like you're going to get through really easily, but then it turns out to be a really complex puzzle that just wipes you out every time. Uh, I was thinking it was like those like little lizard guys in cloaks with hats. Cobalts. Not hats, um, cloaks from the Final Fantasy games. Oh. Where... They like they look like these really low level nothing uh, characters, but if you don't knock them out before they like they have this like timer or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't played a ton of Final Fantasy, but I remember them being there being a thing with them. If you don't get them out before their timer counts down, then they just one shot kill your characters. Oh, interesting. I actually thought you were referring at first when you were describing them to kobolds from Dungeons and Dragons. Kobolds have a challenge rating of one third, which is the same as the challenge rating of a house cat. Mm-hmm. So they are not a uh, imposing race, and they are tiny little goblin men. They're tiny. They're they're related to dragons, but they look like little lizards. And um, yeah. but they're really good at making traps, and they're very tricky. And so if you have a game master who knows what they're doing, they can have them. You know really wipe out a party when, you know, the party could not be wiped out if they wouldn't just fall in the traps. Mm. I feel like, so, the crew of Moya, they're kobolds. See, this is why you need to start every dungeon by just filling it with fire. Just have, like... Then you'll lose all of the flammable treasure. Yeah, but you'll live. And I'm sure there's cool not flammable stuff. The point is to get treasure. Also, what if the point is to rescue a princess? Just don't take those visions. I'm sure someone else will come to save her. I'm also, isn't the twist in like every save the princess thing that she ends up being evil or like a dragon in princess form or full of bees or something? That's often what it is. I prefer, though, the twist where the princess is like, no, I'm going to hang with this dragon. I like this dragon way better than... Uh, my drafty castle. Isn't that a bad thing? Because you typically have to kill the dragon to get to the princess. Well, it would be bad if you killed the dragon before you got to the princess, yes. Mm. I guess dragons are pretty hard to kill in Dungeons and Dragons, though. That is true. They are very hard to kill. I'm working on a Chuck Tingle game for us to play, you know, remotely until we can meet in person again with other people. Mm-hmm. But I think... The way the Chuck Tingle role-playing game is set up, it's all about, like, proving love and stuff. So I am think I'm going to set up a scenario where there isn't actually any combat or, or a very, very small amount of combat. Hmm. Farscape. So 
Rigel and John's body is showing the Skeksis around. Rigel does not have John's bard skills, speaking of role-playing games. No, he does not. And also, he's like, so, um, we don't have any weapons, so you're gonna swap our bodies back, right? And the Skeksi does know what he's doing, so even though he has no idea what the hell John is talking about, he's like, yes, we will deal with whatever you want, I guess. And John and Rigel's body goes over to Rigel and John's body. He's like, hey, the fuck are you doing? Seems like you're going to try some shady stuff. And Rigel and John's body's like, hey, who's the handsome man person here? Let, just let me do my stuff, bro. Yeah, yeah. He's he's like, I'm I'm in charge right now. So just. I'm sorry. It was Aaron and. Uh, it's Aaron and Rigel's body. Aaron and Rigel's body. John is in Aaron's body trying to fix things. Yeah, is he? Is he? You you very conveniently said that just as we cut to John, and let's talk about what he's doing. Okay, so this is a thing in a lot of body swap and or transformation-based stories. Well, if you read webcomics in the early 2000s, you're probably familiar with this trope. Well, I mean, the first thing that happens in the body swap episode of Community, which is very specifically playing to the tropes, is that Troy and Abed, who are playing that their bodies have been swapped, the first thing they do is uh, open their pajama pants and uh, check their genitalia. Mm. And uh, I mean, speaking of Buffy, Faith did it too. First thing she did when she uh, swapped bodies with Buffy was look at herself naked in the uh, mirror. And uh, John and Aaron's body uh, can't resist checking out Aaron's rack, which John and Aaron have already had sex at this point. I just want to point that out. He's, like, ne- he's never seen her breasts from this angle. And also he like <laughs> takes all, he opens up her shirt and does like a shimmy in front of the mirror. I, I. Uh, You're being weird, John. This is, this is a weird thing that you were doing. Yeah. Well, and then of course he gets caught by Chiana in Dargo's body and Aaron in Rigel's body. And he's like, come on. This is, like, every guy's fantasy. And I'm like, every guy, I'm pretty sure, does not fantasize about being trapped in a woman's body. No. This was every guy's fantasy in webcomics from the early 2000s, which I think everything that's going down with it, it's May, uh, what's-her-face, right? From real-life comics? Uh, The the woman who does real-life comics? Yes. uh, Is it May? Did she... Yes, yes, her, yes. Her, she's her name is May, like M A E. I I used to read real life comics back in the day, and they did one of these storylines, and she, and she came out as trans recently, and apparently there's a whole wave of web comic people from around that time who later came out as trans or nine or non-binary or what have you. I'm like, okay, yeah, tracks. Yeah, no, I mean you could you could definitely read this as trans, absolutely. I mean it's supposed to be like skeezy guy thing right like oh guys are so skeezy and in that way it's really problematic but as i said i mean i'm i'm not a guy so i don't know but i'm pretty sure guys don't normally think about getting transported into a woman's body so you could definitely read a trans narrative onto this yeah like i am a guy who likes women and that's never really been a particular fantasy of mine i'm 
I've examined my own gender identity, which is something one does when one is, you know, friends with a lot of people with a diverse set of gender identities. And I am comfortable in mine. Mm-hmm. I've I've never really felt the urge to explore other gender identities. So, yeah, it's, it's never been an urge I've had. Mm. I... I, I do have I, I, I do have breasts without sw- swapping bodies so and and they've been and, and, and they've been nothing <laughs> but trouble so you've you've never stared in a shiny part of a spaceship and waved them around and gone woo I I have not and and I cannot relate so Chiana and Dargo's body is very amused she's like Oh, John. And uh, Aaron in Rigel's body is not amused. She's like, I will break my legs. So, no. <laughs> That's going to be in my brain forever. So, thanks, John. <laughs> uh, I mean, think about how embarrassing that must be for Aaron. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm embarrassed by stuff I do in my body. If there was someone else running around in my body doing stuff, embarrassing. Extra embarrassing, even. Yeah. Because then you can remember it from a third-person perspective. Oh, no, I'm cringing at that. Yeah. Oof. Let's let's go to bodily fluids. Uh, (laughs) Rigel and John's body is leading these Skeksis on a tour, and one of them is like, I am going to vomit. And he's like, yeah, just do it over there. It's fine. We all do it. I just peed in the docking bay. No worries. And the... What it is to be a biological life form. Yeah, right? Anyway, the Skeksy throws up this, like, red goo that we, the audience, see is infecting the ship. It was it was a trap all along. Maybe go to a space doctor, dude. No, I know. It's like an ability of their race or whatever, so. I mean, we never really cover how this was done. I assumed that he, like, was able to ingest something that then he was able to bring back up. But... Venom. Yeah. But, you know, the, it, it doesn't matter because we, uh, we don't need to know. And you know what? I appreciate that. We don't need to know how he did it. We don't need to go into that and have a whole scene about it. We see the red goo come out of him. We see the red goo fucking with the ship. That's all we need to know. Rachel pulls aside the main guy and he's like, you're fixing this, right? Because I don't know how much longer I can do this. And he goes like, yeah, sure. Why not? Whatever. This being the body swap, which, again, the Skeksy has has no idea what he's talking about. Yeah. So, John and Aaron's body is upset because all of his repairs have been for naught since the vomit is messing with the ship. And uh, Chiana's not doing so hot in pilot. Chiana, right? Chiana's in pilot. Pilot. No, Chiana's in Dargo. Uh, Dargo in pilot is not doing so hot. Dargo, Dargo in pilot's like, look, I just barely got everything kind of under control and now there's a new element that's been introduced, so just everyone try not to die for a little bit while I try to hold things together. Well, they understand that the Skeksis probably sabotaged the ship, but, you know, Dargo in Pilot's body is not really used to controlling the sensors, and the Skeksis went everywhere on the ship, so now he's got to, like, figure out how to figure out where the acid vomit is. Meanwhile, Zan is explaining to Starscream what friendship is and how, you know, even though the others on the ship are not of her kind, she can be friends with them because this is suddenly an episode of, I don't know, Sailor Moon and or 
Yu-Gi-Oh, I guess. Well, I mean, or Power Rangers or or she, Steven Universe. There's lots of shows where friendship is important. That's true. But I mean, Friends. she does also try to incite Starscream to kill her commander. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what you do for friends. Also, she tells this Skeksy, she's like, yes, he failed to take down the Leviathan. So if you kill him and take over, I will testify on your behalf that he failed. And I'm like, San, you think think that with what you've seen of the Skeksis, that if she kills her commanding officer and takes over, that there are repercussions? That... Repercussions that you, as a non-Skexy, can mitigate by testifying? She'd get a promotion right on the spot. Clearly that is not the way the hierarchy works with this race, Zan. Like, take take inventory of your surroundings and figure out what that says about the people you're interacting with, Zan. Like, have a little bit of anthropological awareness. So... Meanwhile, on Moya, things are kind of falling apart, so Chiana in Dargo's body decides to run. But she doesn't want to run alone. So she pulls Rigel in John's body to the side, and she's like, hey, hey, we have this, like, criminal scumbag friend thing going on. I'm going to run away, and the body you're in right now is also hot as kind of, like, a bonus. I was thinking, like, Rigel in John's body has to be best case scenario for Chiana, right? Because John is hot and Rigel is the kind of, yeah, immoral pal that she needs. And Rigel's like, no, I'm going to stay here and get things switched back the way they should be. And Chiana's like, oh, yeah, what if I do this? And then she basically gives John a hand job yeah because remember john's body rigel in john's body she gives john's body a hand job well remember rigel is not a body breeder so this kind of sensation is totally new to him and he is swayed for like a second but then he reminds chiana that he needs his body back because he is the dominar and he can't reclaim his throne in john's body i'm legitimately surprised that they let this on air it's an extended sequence that starts with anthony simcoe grabbing ben browder's crotch then we cut to just chest level shots of them while ben browder is making orgasm faces i'm legitimately shocked that this made it on the air i mean this is the episode that launched like a thousand fan arts (laughs) really i mean I feel like this is really, you know, this is a horny episode. That's what I want to say. This is a very horny episode of Farscape. A show, which I will note, is already kind of horny. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, John's body, having finished its work, turns down uh, Dargo, or rather... (laughs) (laughs) Rather, Rigel turns down Shiana after being like, yeah, that was fun and all, but I, I, I'm i ruling as the emperor of a species. I need to get back to that, and I can't do that in a meat suit, no matter what fun things the meat suit can do. Yeah, yeah. And Rigel and John's body shows Shiana and Dargo's body and John and Aaron's body the throw up, and because they want to know where the Skeksis threw up as soon as he... 
just, tells them that that happened. And they're like, yeah. well, that's obviously what's causing the issue, Rigel. <laughs> and they find the messed up circuits and they're going to reroute around those circuits. Hmm. But they better do it fast. Because the Skeksis are ready to fire again. And I feel like the episode didn't need the second body swap. I like the second body swap. Yeah, so I, as I was going to say, wouldn't you know it, guess how much they get the defense screen back up before the Skeksis fire on them. They get it up just enough so that when they fire again, it just swaps bodies again. Yeah, and since they weren't standing in the same configuration, or I guess the opposite configuration that they were before... That means that... Okay, so now Aaron is in John's body. Uh, yeah, so now Aaron is in John's body, John is in Rigel's body, and Rigel is in Aaron's body. Also, now Chiana is in Pilot's body, Pilot is in Dargo's body, and Dargo is in Chiana's body. Hmm. Yeah. Honestly, it's impressive to me that they, like, did two swaps and... Nobody got back to the right body. Yeah. So they do this thing where they all take off the lanyards with the pictures on them and, like, move them all clockwise. (laughs) And John is extra grumpy about being in, uh, in Rigel's body because he doesn't want to look at Rigel's junk. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's not, that's not a fetish for him. And, of course, this... Swap, which was already not good for Pilot, is super bad because Pilot in Dargo's body is just passed out. Dargo is even dumber than Chiana. There's, like, no intellectual wiggle room whatsoever, so Pilot's just out. What this means is that Dargo in Chiana's body has to try to explain to Chiana in Pilot's body how to use Pilot's mind based on the very limited way that he was understanding working Pilot's mind a few minutes ago. Meanwhile, Zan is still on her, hey, why don't you kill your boss kick to Starscream? I I have to say, as someone who reads a lot of advice columns and Reddit relationships posts and, and just hisses, dump him! Dump him the whole time. Like, Zan leaning towards this Lady Skeksy and being like, kill him. Kill him. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Into the sun with him, as we say on Ada. Mm. Which she does. She kills her boss and then she's like, I'm the boss now. Casual Fridays. And she just kind of wanders off, leaving Zan chained to the radiator well also now she's gonna blow up moya because this is second wave feminism where a woman in charge means that women get to commit war crimes we're we're in margaret uh margaret thatcher territory that is exactly where we are you know we were calling her star scream skexy i think i'm gonna call her margaret thatcher skexy mm. so yeah zan is disheartened that margaret thatcher skexy is also going to blow up moya and The rest of Moya's crew realizes that the issue was the defense screen's interaction with the weapon. That that's what caused them to swap. It's like a balloon and then something bad happens. I mean... I know I've been using that wrong constantly, but it's my go-to thing when weird sci-fi stuff just happens because it needs to, so there'll be a plot. Yeah. It's like a balloon and then something bad happens. But they figure out that what they have to do is get the defense screen back up to 62% and then get the Skeksis to shoot at them again. 
which is a very risky move. Also, everyone needs to stand in the right location this time. Yes. Well, the thing is moved clockwise both times, and people were standing coincidentally in the same configuration both times. That's how nobody got back in the right body. Hmm. So they just have to stand in the same configuration that they've been standing in. Which, by the way, means that Dargo and Shiana's body has to drag unconscious Dargo body. And I'm just, you know, Shiana is not a big person and just to drag the giant Dargo. Make whoever's in Aaron's body do it. Aaron's strong. Yeah, they really should have done that before they went back to the command carrier. Oh, well, they didn't do that. Whatever. So Xan has still changed the radiator, but luckily she's a plant. So she just kind of dislocates her arm so that she can rip it out of the yeah, so thing. She, she doesn't have bones. She just has cartilaginous tissue. Yeah, like like plants. Like plants. So she just like basically crushes her hand so that she can pull it through the handcuff. And as much as I've been mocking Xan all episode, uh, essentially as... Margaret Thatcher Skeksy is getting ready to fire. She just goes up behind her with with a, you know, piece of rebar and bonks her on the head and is like, I should have done that 20 minutes ago. <laughs> I mean, she doesn't say that, but I'm saying that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I... Talking about Sailor Moon, why don't I ever just lead with my attack that instantly destroys the bad guy? Right? But good news, Zan's in control of the ship and... As far as Zan is concerned, this adventure is over, but... They have to explain the body swap thing really quickly and be like, okay, so you need to fire on us a little bit and then we can leave. Here's the thing I love about this scene, though. They don't explain the body swap to her. They just tell her to fire on the ship. Rigel tells her to fire on the ship. And she's like, Rigel, why are you wearing a picture of John around your neck? Please let me talk to John. And then they have to act like Rigel and John's body is John because John is the only one that Zan will listen to. So it's actually Aaron in John's body. But I love Aaron trying to pretend to be cool John. Yes. She's like, everything will be a-okay. Thumbs up. Earth references. Bodacious, right? That's an earth word. Also, Rigel and Aaron's body get super pissed off at this evidence that nobody listens to him because even when... It's John's thoughts coming out of Rigel's mouth. Everyone dismisses him. And you know what? That's a really good way to establish this. Like, Rigel has a solid beef here, except that he never has good ideas, so. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's legitimately mad. He's like, so all John's body has to say is trust me and anyone trusts him. Like, if if I said that and they're like, remember, remember how the last season ended with you selling us out to the peacekeepers? Do you not remember that? Because it was a really big thing that happened that everyone's being super polite and not bringing up. So maybe don't pull at this thread, Rigel. Yeah, they really literally did, didn't it? <sighs> Rigel. So everybody gets in position. Zan fires the weapon. And as they're all getting back into their bodies, Aaron's like, by the way, John, I looked at your junk. And he's like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Body swap. And, okay, John, being Ben Browder, still has to, when they all get the zap thing, do Rigel's voice for a second just to pretend that the body swap didn't work. And 
John, that's not funny. Yeah. It's been a really long day for a lot of people. Aaron wouldn't find that funny. Okay, like, the thing about telling jokes is they need to be jokes that the people you're telling them to will find funny. Or that you think they'll find funny. John has to know that Aaron would not be amused by that. Here's the thing, though. This very horny episode has also made all of the characters horny. So her response to this very bad joke is to laughingly wrestle him to the ground and mount him. So I... I'm just saying John probably accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. And then they had sex right in front of Rigel. Probably. It cuts away to Pilot, who's like, Boy, I sure am glad to be back in my normal-brained bodies and not with you, you know, not trapped in- brained people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, this is a weird thing with John and Aaron that I kind of love about this show. I mentioned that they had sex before. They had sex in the episode where- The brain crickets put that crap in John's brain. Yes. And they have sex in this episode, too, or they're about to. We're about to to talk about that. Rigel leaves the room as they're beginning to have sex in the floor in the middle of Moya. No, but we will talk about the sex they're about to have. And, like, they full-on have sex at the end of this episode, too, but they don't become a couple. It's just a thing because Aaron, Aaron doesn't have Earth ideas about relationships. So the idea that she would just have sex with John when she felt like it is not weird and that they would continue to be shipmates and friends and that that has nothing to do with them having sex. Honestly, they do a lot better job with it than I feel like a lot of sci-fi does with female character aliens who are like, oh, on my planet, we just have sex as, you know, a way of saying hello. So, you know, I feel like that's a trope in bad sci-fi. It usually is. And I usually it's because the reason that I don't like it as a trope is because it usually feels like the sexy alien lady is fan service and not to say there's not fan service in this show by all means there's absolutely fan service in this show but i feel like the women have agency and are making their own sexual choices for their own sexual pleasure Mm. in a way that for instance that one sequence of uh starfire that keeps getting played where she's on the beach that yeah that doesn't feel that's not for her the new i was i was gonna bring up the new 52 starfire who has sex not because sex is fun for her, but because I am bored and I do not understand the friendship because, oh God, I forgot who wrote it. I was going to be like, it's, you you know, it's that DC writer who did all that horrible stuff, but that doesn't narrow it down. There's so many of them. But uh, yeah, the Red Hood and the Outlaws run that everyone hated and introduced the worst version of Starfire, which everyone ignored. DC was not doing a great job in the new 52. They had a run of Teen Titans that was so bad, literally no one mentioned it. And then they introduced Young Justice back into the universe, which had a lot of these characters in it. Mm-hmm. And they just straight up, they're like, oh yeah, no, that that wasn't, that didn't happen. That wasn't a real thing. You know what? I feel like comics should feel comfortable doing that more often. Just straight up being like, nope. Yeah. Nope. Nope. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the very last sequence here. Uh, First, we get a heartfelt slash horny, a hornfelt. Hornfelt. A hornfelt scene with Chiana and Dargo, where Dargo's all like, I, I liked I liked being in your body. And Chiana's all like, you want to go bone? And over the speaker's pilot's like, can you feel the love tonight? Yeah, so Chiana and Dargo finally go bone. Yes. 
And also Crichton and Aaron have a conversation where they're like, hey, what's up? And John John says, you know, that he really felt what it was like to uh, walk a mile in Aaron's shoes. And Aaron's like, yeah, you're in my shoes. I was in your pants. And then she gives him the let's go fuck look. And they do. So... This is weird because I do gen- generally enjoy this episode. I think this is a really solid episode. Mm-hmm. I really don't like the way they introduce the body swapping element. I I think it's kind of super massively contrived, e- even for a space show. On the other hand, I have no issues with it because I'm like appreciating that I don't have to hear a lot of techno babble. We just acknowledge that what we're doing is a body swap episode and it. A wizard did it, and we go from there. See, see, it has too much techno babble for me. I would prefer if it was just straight up what the weapon did. The weapon switches bodies to disorient your enemies. I, I get that. Uh, they needed to have the thing where, I mean, for the structure of the episode, it made sense that they needed to have the crew scrambling to get the shields to the right percentage, you know, and get Zan to fire the weapon. Yeah. But, yeah, so... That was out of their minds. Yeah, it, it's a really solid entry, and it had it had stuff I liked in it. There, I, I had my complaints as I always do because sci-fi is not my bag. But on the whole, I liked it. I I feel like Anthony Simcoe really. This was such a good episode for him. I really enjoy seeing him do other stuff that isn't the Dargo shtick. I can't emphasize enough how much he's the MVP of this episode. Oh yeah, yeah. So, no, and I love this episode. It's one of my favorites. Uh, the body, it's a classic. It's just a classic Farscape episode. So, let's go to our segments. All right, our segments. So, the first one, uh, a distant part of the universe. Yeah, which is what world building worked for you? Honestly, uh, this is probably going to tie in with the strange alien creatures. I really like the setup of the Skeksis society. The whole Klingon promotion thing. It's a little, uh, it, it 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 isn't like a super original thing, but I do like that this is a society that's not built on actually winning, but on the appearance of winning. Mm, yes. And, and the person, no matter how terribly they're actually doing, the person who looks like they're doing the best is the person who's on top. Oof, capitalism, am I right? Mm. <laughs> For me, the world building that I really liked was, uh, as I mentioned before, the scene where Pilot is trying to explain to Dargo how to use his multitasking ability. I, I just think on that scene a lot when Pilot is doing something, imagining the way Pilot is processing all of the ship's functions. Hmm. It's, I, I didn't even remember that this was the episode it was from. I actually, at one point, sometimes I remember this as being in an episode where Aaron has to take command of Moya because it's just... So fundamentally how I understand how Moya works, having seen this episode, you know, going forward. Hmm. Our second segment is Strange Alien Creatures. What creature design worked for you this episode in mm-hmm. the Skeksis? It's, it's, it's a Skeksi! How, right. how can you how can you not, you know... Evil bird creatures. Yeah. Also, God, we needed this after the last episode where it was like, oh, they look like people, but their faces are kind of white. Honestly, it is so 
helpful that this really, really good episode comes after literally the worst episode in the series. Like, we really needed to reset after that thing from last time. I I really like when Farscape has Muppet characters. I feel like they don't do it enough. They do it a fair amount, but I feel like they could and should do it more. I agree. I agree. Uh, so our final segment is just looking for a way home, which is what moved you this episode? What what emotionally resonated with you? Okay. I, this probably shouldn't count for the thing, but Darko giving John a handjob was really funny. <laughs> so that was the thing that, if you're counting, made me laugh as emotionally affected than that did. I mean, I guess... Technically, that you you were feeling something. Okay, so so was so was Darko. So is a uh, well Rigel in John's body. Right, or I guess I meant Darko, feeling... Darko. Yes, was feeling John's masculinity. Yes, that's what I meant. Uh, so for me, my scene in this episode is the scene that you mercilessly mocked. The scene where Pilot and Dargo, you know, having swapped bodies, are talking about what it feels like to be a living ship versus, you know, being a, a humanoid who walks around and has humanoid experiences. Yes. This must be the human emotion, you know. How does he not have friends? Pilot has so many friends. I'm sorry, you've liked it. I shouldn't make fun. I won't make fun. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. And I guess that's it. Yeah, I guess that'll about do it for this week. Next week, we are talking about My Three Crichtons and the plot description of that from Wikipedia is a strange energy ball enters Moya and engulfs Crichton. He emerges, followed by a Neanderthal-like version of himself and another version that appears to be a future evolved human. When communication with the energy ball is established, it states that it will leave without destroying Moya, but one of the Crichtons must be sacrificed for its research. Okay, so... It's interesting how much overlap sci-fi and fantasy shows have. Yes. As like stock as far as stock plots go, because Charmed also had a, you know, a character is split into three and has different aspects of blah blah blah. And one of them had to be sacrificed. Yeah. And I will point out, since we're talking about the overlap between sci-fi and fantasy, that following my three crimes will be our first three part. It's really a movie, but we have three episodes of Farscape, Farscapes, and it's called Look at the Princess. Hmm. So, yeah, fantasy. It's not that far away from sci-fi. Yeah. A lot of genre trope crossovers. It's like how, like, every animation, like, every every cartoon you watch as a kid had a, oh, the characters shrink this episode, or, you know, oh, someone turns invisible. Or whatever. There, there was a series, there's a series of stock plots you get yeah well i mean there's a reason that we keep seeing so much similarity between this and charmed like they both had a trapped in a painting episode yeah they both have body swap episodes relevant shifters yeah like split into three aspects of your personality exactly that's a kind of standard trope across genre media though Mm -hmm. i mean i guess a lot of this stuff also applies to cartoons buffy had an episode where she became invisible yeah and i mean yeah and 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 xander had the split into not three two but that's true yeah huh 
Yeah. So I guess that'll about do it for this week. Yeah. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, Benjamin, Kyle, and Kate. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I love TV zines on Twitter or at I love television zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. <laughs> <laughs>